Mr. Cooper, snapping necks and cashing checks. <laughs> Just stacking dairy, homie. <laughs> I never got the stacking dairy. What is that from? That That's from Workaholics. Where <laughs> it was when they go on the the man trip, where they go and like they go kill something, an animal, and uh, Durs gives everyone his credit card. He goes, "He's got this new credit card." 27.99% APR, not too shabby. Just <laughs> be pumping this that i would just be stacking dairy homie and it's like what <laughs> oh, yeah. it's one of those things that's just funny because it's nonsense yeah what's that movie they got coming out where it's like a heist movie yeah it's on netflix oh yeah i forgot i forgot it was a netflix thing because i'm like thinking who would pay to see that i would and then i it made more sense that it was on netflix it's like an action comedy haven't heard about it. It's uh, the three guys from Workaholics. Oh, I've never seen that, but I've seen the that. four guys from Workaholics. Oh, can't is, forget about Kyle. Is he there? I'm not sure if he directed or helped write it, or I'm sure he's in it too, somewhat, but not a. It is a three-person co-star. Yeah, Blake looks weird because he shaved his mustache. <laughs> I think he's rocking the mutton chops. Oh, yeah. Ricky Davis. <laughs> There's a name from the past. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's start this thing. Welcome let's back do to it. <laughs> Welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I am your host, Eric Mulder. So he says, wrecked him, damn near killed him. Damn near. Yep. Joined today by Mr. Wolfie T. What's going on? I'm here to talk about movies. I'm kicking it live, homie. Kicking the stupid dog moves. Busting it out. <laughs> Should have been on the last episode when Jones and I were talking about, he referenced his wife, Sam. So I went to play her clip and I played yours instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. And uh, we got uh, Mr. Jason over there. What's going on, dude? Not too much. What up? Jason's a legend, Jimmy. A legend. Jason's a legend, Jimmy. <laughs> Gotta fix that. There it goes again. Why so is I gotta record that? I don't know why it does that. Because it's just a clip. Yeah. Did you load it in wrong or? No, I just. You probably made it a weird file when you gave it to me. It's a perfectly normal file. <laughs> <laughs> I just recorded it on my phone, sent it over. That's probably why. I don't know. I don't know. We don't like your files around here. I don't like that insolent tone. <laughs> I love that. You know, I heard in this other podcast, they were talking, it's about like uh, the dark underbelly of Disney, right? Mm-hmm. 
And apparently at Disney World in the last few years, there have been these social clubs that pop up. Where it's like a group of adults that just really love Disney. And they form like a like a biker gang sort of thing. But it's for Disney. So like they all wear their, their denim vests and they got like the Disney pins all over it. And then they have like their gang patch on the back, you know, with the logo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for years, like, it was fine. They all just hung out and met up at Disney World every month or whatever. But now, one of the groups was setting up a fundraiser in the park. And then another group came by and is like, hey, uh, you might want to pay us some protection money. And now, like, the one group is suing the other one, and they're suing Disney for not protecting them from this other Disney gang. <laughs> What is going on in the world? <laughs> so sad. Well, kids are eating Tide Pods. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't believe that's ever actually happened. There's videos of it. That people it. have. You don't <laughs> think people have eaten Tide Pods? But like nobody swallowed it and died, right? Except maybe some old people with dementia or something. No, but you don't. They're they're hard to swallow. <laughs> and plus, I mean, when they get it in their mouth. It's it's bad well, enough. Yeah, There's stuff that's going in your they, system. Yeah. Like, just the act of putting it in your mouth is probably not the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put poison in my mouth. Tide Pods. Let's make 8,000 Super Bowl commercials for Tide Pods. Because <laughs> we're not selling enough to people who eat them. To the point where Congress, or at least in a state, like the state Congress, is trying to pass legislation that would force Tide to change the design of their Tide Pods. They do look delicious. <laughs> yeah. They look so delicious. They do have commercials about uh, keeping them away from like toddlers and infants, but they don't really tell you how to keep them away from teenagers, <laughs> which might be <clears throat> more important. We need Tide Pot control is what we need. I Actually, they should probably just let people eat them. And then well, just, they are. We'll it's just, not illegal. Well, it's, <laughs> don't try to stop them. Just whoever does it, just... Let a, get them out of the gene pool. Yeah, survival of the fittest. All right, let's talk about movies, huh? Okay. Probably going to cut out about half of what we've <laughs> spoken about. So this is the... You sure cut out a lot. <laughs> yeah, people like that stuff. <laughs> the uh, This will be like the first edition of our new format for the recently seen movies. So now we're splitting up the news and the recently seen. So this episode, all about movies we just saw recently. Yeah. How recent are we talking? Because it's been a while since I... Mm. Well, I mean... Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Since the last time you were on the show, but if you've seen 10 movies, you're not going to... can't talk about 10, but you can One, pick like two, four. Three, four. Well, you five, can talk eight. about the... Fr- I know you're going to talk about Friday the 13th. So you can talk well, about that. All, that and then counts like a, as one, right? I mean, they're... Well, we'll count <laughs> it as two. Let's talk right. about two more. I think I can stay that. under 10 then. Well, okay. the, the listeners don't know when you saw them, so you can say you saw it recently. Yeah, I watched all these but yesterday. It, it might have been, you know, th- three years ago. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah. You might not have even seen it. So you could still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I got, everything I know is just from the movie poster. Nobody's going to fact, fact check you. That was easy to say. Fact check <laughs> you. You ever have that? Word you can't get? <laughs> Don't make fun of my speech impediment. I, I play that for myself about <laughs> once an episode. So I usually stumble on something. Uh, we so all, who wants to go we first? We all suck at talking. 
We're going to like rotate, right? Or, yeah. I mean, I assume we each have uh, several movies. How many are we doing? Cause I... I'm going to do four. I can go until you tell me to stop, so. I'll do four or five. I have eight, and half of them are Friday the 13th. <laughs> How many do you have, Brett? I have as many as you want me to do. <laughs> okay, we'll start with four. Okay. Wait, I have seven, sorry. More than half of them are Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, so who's going first? Actually, one of them, you and I will both be able to talk about yeah. in the documentary. Yes. But yeah, who wants to go first here? Kick it off. Okay. All right. I'll start. So I saw four Friday the 13ths. We got part five, A New Beginning. That's 1985. We got part six, Jason Lives, 1986. We got part seven, The New Blood, from 1988. And part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, 1989. Now, honestly, at this point, they're starting to run together a lot. Mm -hmm. I remember Jason Takes Manhattan because that's the only one with skyscrapers in it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, those 10 minutes of skyscrapers at the end. Yeah, and a ship. That was that was different. Um, but okay, we'll start at... I don't want to talk a whole ton about these. It's been a while since I watched them, so I don't remember a whole lot anyway. But A New Beginning. So Tommy from Part 4, the traumatized kid who mm -hmm. bashed Jason's face in and went Corey kind of psycho. Yes. Yes. Well, he's not Corey Feldman in part five, but yeah, little Corey Feldman grew up into some some other guy. It's like eight years later. Yeah. He's yeah, he's like a probably in his early twenties, I think. And he's living at this kind of group home for troubled kids. And that's kinda of cool. There are a lot of interesting troubled kids. One of them gets killed by another troubled kid. <laughs> it's to be expected. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was a fun one. Interesting new characters. There's kind of a twist at the end. I won't spoil it. We kind of already have. What? Oh, oh we've mentioned it before, you mean? Yeah, that it's yeah. not Jason. Wasn't okay. uh, <laughs> in that one... Oh, shit, what was his name? The kid who got molested in the bike shop on different strokes is in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which kid is he? He's the black one. Okay. The younger one. Oh, now, yeah. I, I mean, forget I, what was his name on that show. He was Gary you, Coleman's friend. You're the different Shit. strokes expert. I'm blanking on his name. You can just look it up on your phone. I know. I know I could. It's not the Gooch. The Gooch never actually was <laughs> on that show. So that was a fun movie. I think my favorite part, actually, is those weird, like, hillbilly people that live kind of next door to the group home. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where... <laughs> So there's like the crazy mom that's just always screaming nonsense and obscenities. And then there's her, like, I don't know, maybe he's supposed to be sort of mentally deficient or something, her kid. And he's just always like, I mean, they make him like seem really dumb. And he's always riding around on his motorcycle screaming and stuff. They were fun. I liked them. Not to interrupt. It was Dudley, Dudley. Uh, from Different Strokes. Okay. I never, I've never seen any of Different Strokes. Oh, Sorry. What? Different Strokes. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so part six, Jason lives. Tommy, back again. 
This time he really messes up because he goes back to dig up Jason's grave to kind of. I don't know, what was his It doesn't make any sense. Again? He was yeah. digging him up to kill him well, again. He was going to try to kill him again. <laughs> well, no, oh, he wanted to burn him. He, I think he thought that would like uh, kind of resolve it in his mind. He'd have some closure, right? Mm-hmm. So That's right. He had the gas can with him. Yeah. That's right. And they showed that he had, or I think in the previous movie, they showed that he had a dream about some other guys digging him up. Or maybe that was even in the one before that. See, they're all running together. But anyway... Tommy goes to dig up Jason and burn his body. He messes up, spears him with a piece of um, like cast iron fence. Lightning strikes it, and we all know that lightning reanimates corpses. Oh well, yeah, so, seen yeah. Frankenstein? Then he yeah. then he punches uh, Horshack through his face. Does he not? What? Horshack. Horshack was there to to help dig him up. And nobody watches Jason. Nobody watches Welcome Back, Cotter. No, no. fuck. Nope. Your seventies and eighties shows are. Jesus, you're Lord, you're the you're me. the expert on those. Yep. I'll just let you finish. Okay. <laughs> so Jason comes back, starts killing people. Uh, Tommy goes to the police and starts freaking out. Remember, you were you really liked uh, referencing how Tommy was all whiny at the police. It's Jason. Yep. <laughs> we did a whole episode on that one. You know that? <laughs> on what? Uh, that movie? Part six. Oh. Yeah. Last Halloween. Oh. Well, During yeah. our extravaganza. Yeah. So. And these poor people you don't, you don't have, already heard all this. You don't have to talk about it for the next hour. You can yeah. shorten it all. Well, there's not much more to it anyway. Jason comes back, starts killing people. Tommy gets thrown in jail because they think he's crazy. He gets out and recruits the cop's like daughter to go after him. And they get him or something at the end. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> no, I was disappointed because Brett and I both love part six. It's probably yeah, yeah. probably both of our favorites. Really? And we were just like, meh, yeah. what the hell is up your ass? So what <laughs> So what exactly I mean, what stuck out about it to you? Well, A, it's soups meta. B Fact, oh, facts. <laughs> meta? Yeah, meta oh, so. self referential, um, breaking the fourth wall. Things breaking like the that. fourth wall? Mm-hmm. Just making fun of its, uh, the other movies, basically. Yeah, it, br- it doesn't directly uh, break the fourth wall like maybe like a narration would or somebody actually talking into the camera or something like that, yeah. but it's kind of parodying itself in a way. Yeah. It's like a parody of a Friday the 13th movie, but it's like everything, like all the cliches from the, the previous movies just all into one just because mm-hmm. it, it's funny. Yeah, there's a lot more comedy in it. I mean, they all kind of have so. some comedy, but I don't know. It struck me as just as sincere as the other ones. Plus honestly. the the kids. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh yeah, there was some good comedy like that. the sheriff and the deputy. Come on, and I, Those I, guys were I can go back and uh, pull that clip from. I mean, I wish I could go back and pull that clip from <laughs> Jason Six, but Jason, our Jason, deleted that. So, but no, that clip Master. of uh, him explaining the what were the stones for the Native Americans? Oh yeah, I can't remember what they oh, called. Oh yeah, oh that that was a good character. That, that guy, guy was so funny. Was funny. See if the guy wanted. He was like chief wanted American to get expert. a squad, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, there was more comedy in that one. That was yeah. There was some and, fun it, parts. and it starts with a with a Bond reference, James Bond yeah. reference. Yeah. That was so cool. I mean, that's obviously. I mean that's kind of just referencing movies in general, not itself, but yeah, it kind of. I mean that's in the beginning, kind of takes the piss out of the movie a little bit. And then sure. the uh, 
when Tommy first goes to the sheriff's office, they literally explain everything that happened in the previous five movies. <laughs> like, it's it's a hundred percent exposition. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's it's so unnatural. Well, well it's like, been like just eight years case. since the first one. You got to remind people. Just in case. <laughs> but anyway, gonna paint two more. I'll save those brains. for my next turn. I've done enough talking. Okay. Do you got ratings for those? Oh, right. well, it doesn't matter because well, we've already rated them. Yeah. So, but if you don't like the ratings, they could bring it up on a movie fight. Well, didn't you say pretty much all of them fell under? Um, they were split eventually. between eventually and last resort. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah, I've said eventually for all of them so far, and I mean, they all kind of yeah. none of them. You know, like I said, they yeah. all run together. There isn't anything that sticks out that much to me. Yeah, we're working on a new segment, movie fights, where we argue about ratings that we've bestowed upon movies on our website uh but we're not going to do that in today's episode ratings that Mulder deemed necessary to well i also go off of um anytime we talk about movies and give them a rating on the show i add them to the website so i'm not just adding mine like i added that's, yours that's and good alex's and that's... we have i think over a thousand movies rated yeah um, and i've seen like 90 eight percent of them but there's some on there that were just from you guys and i haven't seen but well that's fair yeah i think we're gonna wait until we have all four to start doing the movie fights i know i know you got a bone to pick with friday after next i have a fatal four-way is that what you're saying (laughs) yeah um but all right uh i'm gonna talk about a documentary not that one (laughs) what you're thinking of oh you're going next yeah, we figured it'd just we'll go clockwise. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Uh, it's called Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. It's a behind-the-scenes look at how Jim Carrey adopted the persona of uh, idiosyncratic comedian Andy Kaufman on the set of Man on the Moon from 1999. So this was directed by Chris Smith. You know, Jim Carrey's in there, and then a bunch of people that were on the movie because it's basically mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes look of the making of Man on the Moon. So... Dane DeVito, the cast of Taxi, uh, Jerry Lawler, a bunch of people. Jim Carrey kind of takes you behind his thought process of, I mean, he grew up kind of idolizing Andy Kaufman. He was one of his favorites. He's, he's one of mine as well. I love me some Andy Kaufman. And he kind of talks about how when he finally got the part, it was like the that's when Andy took over and then Andy made his movie kind of through Jim's body basically because he went really method with it he didn't really ever turn it off and this footage was just saw the light of day in this documentary because uh, the studio behind man on the moon didn't want it to see the light of day because they thought everyone was just gonna think jim carrey's an asshole because he is an asshole in a lot of this to uh co-stars and whatnot jerry lawler especially he really pisses him off (laughs) um but i mean that's also what andy kaufman did and it was very fit the character well but yeah he went full method um so this uh was fascinating to me uh if you want to know more about the making of man on the moon annie kaufman and jim carrey and he also get an insight to i guess jim carrey's current state of mind which is vastly different from what he was like in the 90s that's like the only drawback at least for my tastes so i'm a big jim carrey fan too i mean not necessarily of stuff he's done lately because he hasn't really done anything uh-huh. lately i guess that i've seen or liked but you know 90s was jim carrey's heyday he mm-hmm. was unstoppable in the 90s 
That's why he kept saying, somebody stop me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some of it is, it gets a little bit into like the blowhard territory mm-hmm. where he's, you know, uh, Andy became me and made his movie the way he wanted it. And it's like, just settle down a little bit. <laughs> he gets very philosophical and it was, it was similar to that interview he did on that fashion show like a half a year ago that was hilarious where he showed up to that fashion week somewhere and he's on the red carpet and this one fashion reporter went up to interview him and he just basically read the riot act to the fashion industry and how bullshit it is <laughs> and how none of it matters and things like that it was pretty funny he's a very strange interview and hilarious at the same time because it was hostile and he was very again philosophical and I like it. I think we need more of that in yeah. the entertainment industry. Yeah, I like that a lot. In the, in the in this documentary, there was a couple of times where you're like, "Get over yourself," or you know, it's not as big as you think it is. But at the same time, you know, who am I to say maybe it was as big, you know, to him? You know, this this certain aspect mattered to him the most. You know, yada yada yada. But uh, overall, yeah, I'd give it an eventually. I thought it was pretty fascinating to look behind the scenes. Makes me want to watch Man on the Moon again. Didn't his uh, ex-girlfriend's uh, family sue him for introducing her to drugs, which led to her death? Well, I what think they were alleging that he led her to drugs, but I don't know if that's it or not. I think I'm not the, sure the whole story. I but. think it got dismissed, but... Yeah. When was this? It's like a like year ago. Recently, like in the last, yeah. She committed suicide, though. Is that correct? what it was? I don't remember. I don't think she overdosed. I think she committed suicide. Was she his I think... girlfriend at the time? Uh, yeah. Either I that or so. they had just woken up maybe a couple of months prior. Yeah. One of the two. I can't. I don't have the story in front of me, so I don't want to. I must be living under a rock. Yeah, I don't want to go into that much in depth about it. <laughs> I but you are. I think that's also one of the factors that has kind of transformed him as a person over the past year or two mm, yeah. a lot of this stuff has come up recently with his kind of bizarre behavior i guess yeah i mean with yeah. the life he's had he must be in i can't imagine like his state of mind these days you know mm-hmm. like just being jim carrey must be plus all that time he spent with jenny mccarthy yeah that, that'll twist your mind that's melissa's cousin <laughs> uh when you when you watch the documentary they you know, or if you've seen Man on the Moon or know anything about Andy Kaufman, Tony Clifton is a alter ego of Andy Kaufman that would be portrayed by himself or his uh, writing partner, Bob Zamuda. Or there was even a third guy. I can't remember who it was. But Tony Clifton was like a, a character that was like an old, old-timey lounge singer that had hacky jokes and it would maybe make fun of the crowd, piss them off. Not a great singer. Just some obnoxious character kind of like a drunk and he would be in that character for like half the time they're making the movie. And there was one time where he took a go, like they're in, they're inside. I think it was, God, is it universal? Having a brain fart, but they're in like the back lots and he has like a golf cart, you know, and he's driving up and down like the streets back there. And Steven Spielberg's Amblin entertainment has an office right by there. So it, Jim Carrey as Tony Clifton is driving up to the front office. He drives into like there's like a little rotunda thing that you drive in, and Spielberg's office is in like this little building where his production company is. 
and he he gets out and he walks in demanding uh to talk to steven because he wants to i want to see the shark <laughs> some of the shark <laughs> it's just hilarious <laughs> so him like just fucking with just kind of going off i mean yeah it's going off script because it wasn't being filmed other than for the do- uh, purposes of behind the scenes stuff but like he goes into these characters hardcore regular old daniel day lewis yeah so yeah check out jim and andy the great beyond what about you brett oh it's my turn what have you been ripping 2017 bad grandmas <laughs> we're gonna talk about this we're gonna one? talk about bad grandmas uh four grandmothers accidentally kill a con man when his partner shows up things go south quickly starring pam greer judge reinhold Florence Anderson, Randall Battenkoff, uh, let's see who the other, uh, Susie Wall, uh, Sally Eaton. So this one, it's, uh, oh, it's directed by Srikant Chalapa. Was this like a straight to DVD? I think it might have been. So we try to stay away from those on the show, but it's I'll on, slide this time. It's on Showtime now. Because it, so. it has Pam Greer, so I'll let I it mean, slide. Pam Greer. Florence Henderson and Judge Reinhold. They're pretty big names from the from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty campy, uh, pretty uh, cheesy, a lot of grandma jokes. Uh, it's uh, Florence Henderson smokes a lot of pot throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the con man that that there's a reference in the in the synopsis is uh, one of the other old one of the other grandmas ex-son-in-law uh so her sister her daughter uh was married to him the daughter died but before she died she had like uh given the the mom's house to the husband and now he wanted to kick her out so florence anderson goes to confront him with a gun the struggle ensues ends up getting shot so they have to Who ends up getting shot the the son-in-law okay uh, so that she calls her friends up to come and help her dispose of the body. Of course, nobody nobody suspects four little old ladies of murder. Sure. Uh, turns out son-in-law was uh, in uh, deep debt to uh, Judge Reinhold's character, who's a loan shark on the down low. He runs a, a auto shop during the day. So he ends up kidnapping the the son-in-law's mother-in-law. So the... The one that was trying to take the house from. Mm-hmm. And so hilarity ensues and uh, a back and forth trying to exchange money for the, the, the friend. And there's one cop in town who's a handsome fellow, wears a cowboy hat. And one of the one of the old lady's daughters is smitten with him. It was it was pretty funny. Not great. I'd give it a last resort. If you don't see it, you're not going to be mad at yourself, but. I think if you watch it, you'll uh, you'll find some chuckles. All right. What year was this? Twenty seventeen. It was Florence Henderson's oh. last Judge movie Reinhold. before she died. Mm. He's almost unrecognizable because yeah. he's put some weight on. He's got a goatee. Talks with a southern accent because they're in Georgia. Uh, <laughs> so huh. it, it, it's a, it's a little different than what you used to seeing in the eighties and nineties with him. But yeah. Uh, it's kind of fun seeing those those older actors and actresses uh, just kind of camp it up a bit. 
Yeah, I was trying to imagine young Judge Reinhold as a loan shark. I can't imagine him being very threatening. He wears a leather vest and black jeans a lot during the movie. All Cowboy right. boots. He drives a like a GTO from the seventies. Mm. Is he supposed to be threatening? Like, yeah, he he pulls it off pretty good, mm. pretty well. Cool. He's he's very different than what you're used to. Yeah. So, last resort. If you watch it, you'll enjoy it, but it's not something that you have to see. All right, Jason, back to your Friday the 13th. Back to Jason with the Jasons. Uh, Okay, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, 1988. This one's kind of cool. I was going to say this is the first one where they get supernatural with it, but I guess reanimating a corpse with lightning is kind of supernatural, too. But this is the first one where there are psychic powers at play. So there's a girl, when she was a kid, she witnessed her mom, I think, getting abused by her dad, and like she kind of accidentally used her psychic powers to kill her dad, basically, drown him in Crystal Lake. So uh, in the movie, she's older, and she's kind of dealing with the guilt from that. Basically, she... She doesn't have great control of her psychic powers yet, and she accidentally frees Jason, who is sunk at the bottom of the lake, kind of chained up. So he's, he's, he's apparently just been sitting under there alive, waiting for somebody to come along and yep. get him loose. So he must be super pissed by this point, you know? He's probably really pruney. And, yeah, and bored. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Quick tidbit. Because it's like 20 years later. After the uh, part six. This is a hot take. Have you heard where Jason is living these days? What? You know where Jason resides? He's at the bottom what of a you... Minnesota lake. Wait, what are you... These Every... days? You're talking about like the newest movies? That's where he ends up? What are you talking no, about? No, I'm talking about no. somebody in real, real life. Real fucking life. Uh, I forget which lake it is here in Minnesota, but somebody chained a big Jason like replica statue to the bottom of a lake. Nice. It's like, I think it's 200 feet below the surface. No, no, not 200. I think it's 100 feet below the surface. Is this like a normal life it's size? It's life size. Okay. I, there's pictures of it online because it was kind of like a viral thing like a week or two ago. Man, I, I really am living it. under a rock. So yeah, there's like videos and pictures of it. So like people, because the guy did it to kind of like have fun with people diving in there. Yeah, so that sounds like awesome. divers and... Yeah, just look it up online. Uh, you can find the lake it is, and you can, if you want to, you could dive 100 feet down and check out Jason. That would be cool. So he's tied to a chain, and he's just, like, he has an arm. Is he, like, floating, or is he... He's I mean, floating from, he's chained to the bottom of the lake, and yeah. he's floating up. Very cool. So he's just stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> it's Just not, like I, the movie. I know it's not Lake Calhoun, because that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it's oh, not. they renamed lake. it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Some don't Native know. American name or something? Is that right? Sure. Can't remember. Yeah. Is it something like that? See, I hear about some things that happen. <laughs> that Calhoun is too racist to have a lake named after him. That's what yeah. I heard. Yeah. Something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, continue. Okay. So Jason gets free, starts killing people. The psychic girl does her psychic thing. People die. What happens to Jason at the end again? He gets chewed up with a boat propeller. Is that it? They did that in the uh, part six, though. 
I don't that's remember. That's what Jason does. I mean, that's what uh, Tommy Jarvis does then. Yeah, that's when he gets tangled up and in the, the chains. Seven. And then this one, he gets re- released from the chains, killing people in the woods and stuff. I, I think, think he gets they put dropped, back down there I again. think they dropped the uh, the dock yeah. on him. Yeah. I think he gets oh. crushed and trapped. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. So, yeah, that was that was cool. I like it, the psychic element. That's mm-hmm. always fun. Than the the psychiatrist who's trying to bang her mom. Yeah, he's and he's <laughs> on the download trying to teach her how to use her psychic psychic abilities and bang her mom. Well, and he's trying to exploit her psychic abilities. Like if he's the first the first guy to have you know documented evidence mm-hmm. of this yeah. actually being possible and stuff, it seemed like that was kind of. Meanwhile, ignoring her emotional trauma from yeah. accidentally <laughs> killing her father. Yeah, and her emotional like, issues. Oh, just don't worry about that. Focus <laughs> on moving this pencil. This will be great. Hashtag goals. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then part eight, Jason's under the dock, I guess, and then uh, there's a class of high school seniors. Is that it? Were they? Was it a graduation cruise thing? I think so. Yeah. So they got this big ship somehow in this little lake, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works, especially since it's pulled up right next to a dock that's like. 10 feet from the shore <laughs> i don't i don't know it was like a big it was like a cruise boat yeah, yeah. i mean it was like a big like carnival cruise ship it looks like uh, it was, it was a like, boat you go riverboat gambling on yeah sure but bigger than that you know riverboat you guys go riverboat gambling every sure now sure and then, sure right? but <laughs> i mean this is a big boat that's all i'm saying with my friend mark twain i've actually been gambling on a riverboat Kind of with Ron the riverboat on uh, at least from like Harriet Island. No, uh, down in Iowa on the border, western border, Missouri River. Hmm. Down there, there's a there's a casino and a ship, but the ship isn't like floating. You can tell like it's anchored somehow, hmm. like, even like a box foundation below the ship. Yeah. So I don't know if they just like put a foundation down and then just kind of built something that looked like a ship out of it, and like we're just put a casino on something that looks like a ship. But you cross a drawbridge to get to the casino from, mm. you know, from shore. And it's a pretty big place. I forget what it was called. Is that the it's Proud Mary? Thing. No. Queen Mary? No. <laughs> no Proud Mary. neither of those. Keeps on rolling, rolling, rolling mm. down the river. No idea. And what, uh, I know the name song? of a song. Uh, who sings Proud that? Mary, Tina Turner. Okay. I think she covered it. I don't think she was the original. So that was the you joke. Were born the joke in the was the eighties. Yes. Jo- yeah. <laughs> How the, have you had time since then to like consume all this old media? I watched a lot of VH1 when I was in junior high and high school. <laughs> when they were doing nothing but top tens, and I love the eighties and I love the seventies. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. TV Land used to show that shit. Yeah, I didn't have cable as a kid. I watched a lot of the so old sad. shows too, but so they sad. just so happen to be the ones sad. different. That's than why the ones... I'm so weird, <laughs> and I don't know anything that's going on in the world. Yeah, they're just like. It seems like Brett has watched all the shows that I didn't, and like vice versa, because like I'm the... big into like Mash and Taxi and Night Court, uh, stuff like that. Whereas you were like, uh, Sanford and Son, Different Strokes, Welcome Back, Cotter. It's another one. Stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Well, TV One, they, they show uh, every weekend. Well, now it's nothing but the Cosby show. 
But they used to show like Good Times and What's Happening in Sanford and Son and the Jeffersons every weekend. Mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of the Jeffersons, but not much of Good Time. I used to watch All in the Family, too. That was pretty yeah. sick. Pretty sweet. Archie Bunker. Do you remember Archie Bunker? You know the name. And Meathead. And Gloria. And whatever know. he called his wife. Edith. <laughs> I don't know. He used to tell, tell his wife to stifle. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's talk about movies. All right. So, uh... Enough TV. Part 8, Jason <laughs> Takes Manhattan, 1989. The ship, oh yeah, we've talked about the ship already. Mm-hmm. It was a big ship. Graduation cruise kind of thing. How does Jason get on the ship? Did they even explain that? I think he just kind of shows up, doesn't he? He just climbs over the, the railing. Yeah. I've watched it twice, and I barely remember any of it. Yeah. Probably because I was drinking both times, <laughs> but it is kind of forgettable entry. I, it yeah, is. He just like goes on the, the boat and just... He kills a couple people, and then it takes an hour and 20 minutes to get to Manhattan, and then they quick yeah. do some stuff there, and then they wrap it up. Well, there you go. On to you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to it, step on your toes, no, but... That's okay. That's true. There's not a lot that happens. There's some cool rocker chick that looks super 80s with like the big permed hair and stuff. She's got her sick axe. She's... <laughs> A guitar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a guitar. But she's thrashing way on down in the boiler room trying to make a cool music video. And then uh then she dies. And then a lot of other people die. That's right. It's supposed to be set in like the year what uh what does it get up to? Like two thousand five or something? If you add up all yeah, the I guess time so. between movies. Yeah, still that's... using uh like camcorders and shit. Yeah. It's kinda of fun that like all this time passes and everything's still exactly the same as the 80s. But, uh, yeah, so the whole movie, I'm wondering, when is he going to take Manhattan? And then <laughs> then they finally get there. And I don't know. I've never, I, I didn't go to, the Man, go to Manhattan in the 80s, but it didn't look a lot like the Manhattan I'm familiar with. There was a billboard. That was pretty Rudy Giuliani cleaning it up. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, this they did, they did make a pretty gritty Manhattan. There's like the whole fire uh, in barrels, you know, with the hobos go- huddling mm-hmm. around it and stuff. Yeah. Dirty alleys with dangerous people, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't remember what happened to Jason at the end of this one. He gets uh, down in the sewer, and they. Uh... Oh right. Like trap them down there. I forget what they do. And there's like they a kill, flood. Isn't of, there like uh, acid or some yeah. shit? Yeah. So there's a flood of toxic waste that's gonna come, and like the kids know about that because they heard about it from some maintenance guy that they found down there. Yeah. And then Jason kills that guy, so they're like, okay, we have like five minutes to get the hell out of here before we get melted by all this toxic waste. So they start climbing up a ladder, and then Jason comes, and I think he grabs onto one of their legs or something, and then the flood of toxic waste comes. And Jason melts away. Never to be seen again. <laughs> the end. That's the last Jason movie. Until he goes to hell. I like of course, that. that's the next step, though. He's got to go to hell after he's burned yeah. acid. Yep. I haven't seen that one. 
I, I like the part where he's on the rooftop with the guy and the guy's like punching him and punching him and punching him and then yeah. Jason just like right hooks his head off. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. Just punches his head right off. <laughs> uh, All right. Um, I'm going to talk about another documentary from 2017. Jason, you'll be able to hop on with this one. I sure will. It's called A Gray State, G-R-A-Y. Uh, it's also on Netflix, directed by Eric Nelson. It's a documentary about the mysterious death of fringe political filmmaker David Crowley, who was found dead alongside alongside members of his family in their suburban Minnesota home in January of 2015. Oh, yeah? Yes, that's correct. Is he related to Alistair? No. <laughs> I, You know, I, the name did strike me. It's, I mean, for something as dark as this happening it's kind of a weird coincidence because you know crowley alistair crowley famous yeah you know, occult was, satanist kind yeah. of guy he was british though and i think he's been long dead yeah his name has been in pop culture though there was a character in supernatural that was named after him there's that ozzy osbourne song mr it, crowley okay mr crowley that was about <laughs> alistair yeah he's you're on a first-name basis with him now. <laughs> that was about Allie. <laughs> yeah, old Allie. Isn't that Ollie G's full name is Alistair? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, back to Gray State. <laughs> I'll just give the general breakdown. I gave you kind of the story, but this was not something I was really aware of, and I live... Oh, so I was going to ask you, yeah, did you... Like, how familiar were you with this murder-suicide when uh, you went into this doc? Well, for, I'll just start with this. I had heard about this documentary, I think, on another podcast where they kind of talked about it briefly, but I still didn't know it was about a guy, or at least he's not from Minnesota, but him and his family ended up dying here. Did they say that in the doc? Because I remember you saying he was from Texas, right? Well, he met his wife in Texas. Okay. And all that. I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I missed that. Um, but uh, I heard, a, hey, it was produced by Werner Herzog, you know? Werner Herzog is very respected, especially with documentaries. Um, and it was directed by the guy who produced Grizzly Man. So it was the same two people from Grizzly Man. They just kind of switched roles for this. So yeah, Eric Nelson would be that guy. And the basic story is this guy, David Crowley, um, he kind of grown up. Him and his friends were kind of gung-ho, military, America. Yeah, yeah, rah, rah, rah. Um, he joined the military. The, the army. Yeah. One of those people that I just cannot relate to at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. Because you hate America? What? Is that what you're <laughs> exactly. saying? Exactly. <laughs> no, just, well, so he talks about how, like, they totally idolized the military, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, they, they love playing, you know, playing games in the yard with, like, fake guns and stuff. And, oh, they wanted to be war heroes. Mm -hmm. And then, like, they went into the military thinking like this is going to be awesome we're going to be heroes we're going to get to run around with guns mm -hmm. that mindset is just totally foreign to me personally yeah. it's a weird one and uh he ends up doing a tour over in iraq and by the time he was done with it he wanted nothing to do with the military uh he didn't like what was going on over there if he could have refused well, to go back, he would have, but he got stop lost. Yeah, I mean, he got totally disillusioned, you know? Like mm -hmm. I said, he went into it totally gung-ho, and then it seems like pretty quickly he was like, this is not at all what I thought it was, mm -hmm. you know? 
And uh, so he gets stop loss. So he is sent back overseas against his will. Uh, he goes to Afghanistan this time. And he kind of just bided his time until he came back. Because by this time, this is around 2010, he had met his wife. I believe she was pregnant at the time that he had to go back overseas. Um, but anyways, when he came back, he settled in Minnesota here in Apple Valley. And uh, he's one of those fringe guys kind of on the right there where they're very um, suspicious of the government. I mean, obviously his experiences in Iraq kind of led to that, but also he wasn't a big fan of FEMA. He was very, how do you say it? Very, not scared, but I don't know. He was paranoid in a yeah, lot of paranoid, ways. Paranoid, very paranoid about FEMA. Wary. Yeah, wary. Very wary of FEMA. Um, and some other type of government programs. Uh, he thought uh, there was a lot of things in America escalating more towards like a police state and more mass surveillance, which there's a, you know, there's been some of that, but he wanted to make a movie about it. So he started this, uh, this movie and it was like a crowdfunded thing. And he ended up after a while cutting together a trailer for it, for a movie or, you know, a trailer they wanted to sell to studio executives to say, Hey, this is the kind of the idea for it. You know, give me some money and then we can actually make the movie. That was his goal. But towards the end of that, Something, I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole documentary, but mm-hmm. the it ends with him supposedly shooting his wife and young five-year-old daughter before turning the gun on himself. And also before turning the gun on himself, he wrote Allah Akbar on the wall with his wife's blood. Um, they were not, this was apparently the day after Christmas, 2011 or 12, 2000. Wasn't it 13? Actually, no, wait. It was January 2015 when they were found. When so they were is, found, yeah. They were in there for a while before the neighbors found It was them. a few weeks. So I guess it would have been, yeah, Christmas technically 2014. And then, uh, or Christmas, the day after Christmas. And the neighbor found him about three weeks later because he saw him through the window because they had Christmas packages that his brother had dropped off that were still sitting on the front stoop. And the neighbor came over, saw the bodies lying on the floor through the window, um, now if you go on Netflix and look up this documentary, I think the summary is a little more salacious than it is. Cause it talks about, well, this, it's about a filmmaker who was, you know, wary of the growing police state and mass surveillance and was his death an act of government revenge. Wait, sorry. Mark? Where did you see that? On Netflix. Oh, that was like their little blurb summary about it. Okay. So you're going into it thinking like, ooh, the government was really behind this. Because they do talk to some people who, um, conspiracy theorists who don't accept the, the you know, the... Yeah, those two guys the that standard were on their story. computers, like, talking to each other. Um, and there there is certain things of the case that you can't explain, but a lot of that has to do with mental health and how that's kind of unexplainable. And, but they, they don't really give you evidence to try and... It seems like the documentary, I mean, the director and Herzog didn't seem like they were trying to convince you that this was a government conspiracy. No, I think they did a pretty good job of just kind of giving you what we know. mm -hmm. Because there hasn't been an authority that's like come down and made a definitive statement about what happened. You know, it's just here's what we know. And he just snapped that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And some, you know, some of those things are unexplainable, but. Uh, I thought it was a pretty fascinating documentary. 
Um, a little bit of a Homer-ish because, I mean, I didn't know it was set in Minnesota until I'm watching it. And he's filming some of the scenes in the movie and there's cops there to kind of look over the situation. And their patch says like Buffalo, Minnesota. It's a smaller town, not like, you know, Buffalo, New York, Buffalo, Minnesota. I was like, what the hell? And then I was like, oh, and Apple Valley, Minnesota, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities here, is where he apparently killed his family and himself. Mm-hmm. So at what point... I mean, uh, in that Netflix blurb you said, did they mention, uh, did they just say mysterious death or something like that? Um, it, it says that this documentary dissects the case of a filmmaker whose death, along with the deaths of his wife and daughter, sparked alt-right conspiracy theories. Okay. That's not from Netflix. It's, it's, uh, it's on my Netflix. Mm. Mm. Well, so when you're going through it, at what point did you... Or, okay, let me back up. Did, had you heard about this case, like, kind of in depth before you so saw that's this? That's the thing. I don't, I don't recall it. Like, like I'm no, sure it was all over the news because like, that's, yeah, that's a big news story around here. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't yeah. remember that happening at all? So I mean, I w- maybe vaguely, but not the exact details because, I mean, it's not often something like that happens, but it's not the first time. Yeah. And it won't be the last. Yeah. I mean, I remember it happening because... <laughs> yeah. Look at I you, was like, future Mrs. Mulder. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I remember it happening because, like, those... That's like, it happened in a neighborhood that I've driven through, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so going into this documentary, like, I already knew what, what I was getting into and what case they were talking about and i kind of knew some details already but i realized watching it if somebody went in totally blind at what point in the movie do they actually tell you like this guy killed his wife and daughter because it seemed like at least like the first half of it they're just kind of talking about his life leading up to it and Mm -hmm. they show a little flashes of like oh the blood on the wall and stuff but it seemed like for a lot of the movie if you didn't know what was going on you could think oh somebody broken and killed these people or something mm-hmm. like at what point did they actually like at what point did you realize like how they actually died yeah i guess i'm not sure i don't know maybe we shouldn't even if i did know i probably wouldn't tell the audience gotta let them yeah watch we it just for themselves. We totally spoiled it for everybody <laughs> oh, no. not really because you were asking about it i don't know when it was so we can't spoil it but i mean that it's a you can't spoil like an actual news story like when you when you watch you yeah. know united 93 well, don't tell me what happens at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's a yeah. news story. I mean, locally, I guess some people know it. You know, I was kind of in the dark about it. Or it's, I mean, you hear, you've heard of plenty of those stories across the country where um, you'll see it on news feeds. Oh, that another, you know, a lady drowned her kids in Tennessee. And then the, in Texas, a man shot his wife and child before turning the gun on himself. Like, yeah, there's a lot of these cases of things like this happening. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm guessing I heard about it at the time, but it just kind of gets pushed in the rear, you know. Well, and sometimes with that stuff, they'll they'll report it, and then you know they won't go into details later. They'll just be like, "Well, a man was found dead with his wife and kid." You know, police suspect murder, suicide. Mm-hmm. And that'll be it. They won't yeah, go I guess back most into people it. Wouldn't hear the details, not necessarily. But yeah, yeah. I, I would, uh, I would call a gray state an eventually. W team eventually. What say you? Do you call it an eventually? 
would you recommend people watch this? Yeah, I could go with eventually. I mean, it held particular interest for me because of, you know, the proximity. Mm-hmm. Like it happened not far from here. So I thought it was, I mean, if you're around here and you heard about that and you kind of want to know more details, I would bump it up a little from eventually just because, I mean, it's a fascinating case. And usually when this kind of stuff happens, you don't get a lot of details. And this documentary was, uh, it, it's amazing that they had so much footage of this guy. Like you can mm-hmm. see him and his personality and like get an idea of who he was as a person before this happened. And that, I mean, it makes it even more striking, you mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah, I just don't want to seem too homerish because it's Minnesota stuff. But um, Yeah. Yeah, it is fascinating. I think some people are let down because if you look, it got good reviews from critics, like on IMDb. But the, I mean, uh, it's like seventy-four Metascore, which is really good mm-hmm. for Metascore. But like IMDb user ratings is like six point two, which is kind of the low end. And I think it's because people expect there to be like this, like a lot of evidence supporting like they want an conspiracy answer, theory. Right? Yeah, they want an answer first and foremost, but they. A lot of them probably like, ooh, maybe, you know, maybe the government is involved somehow. That's mm, maybe you know, there isn't really so much evidence for that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, for yeah, I would say I'd recommend it. Sure. What else you got, Brett? I got. I think let's do one more each. Twenty sixteen, the girl on the train. Ooh. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Uh, a divorcee becomes entangled in a missing persons investigation that promises to send shockwaves throughout her life. You excited? Very Starring nice. Emily Blunt, Haley Bennett, Rebecca Ferguson, Justin Theroux, Luke Evans, Edgar Ramirez, Laura Preppen, Elson Janney, Lisa Kudrow's in there. Directed by Tate Taylor. It's based on a novel by Paula Hawkins, which I've heard is very popular, the novel, which is why they made the movie. Uh, so Emily Blunt, is a, she's a divorced alcoholic, rides a train back and forth. I forget where it's set, but she's on the train, and she there's this one house that she sees this blonde-haired woman uh, every day out in the back porch or deck or whatever uh, and she just fantasizes about the perfect life she has and it just happens to be the house next to the house she used to live in where her ex-husband and uh, his his current wife who he left her for and their uh, infant daughter live uh, so anyways one day she notices that the the woman that she's just been obsessing with is out there with a different guy. So she like freaks out, gets off the train to confront her. And then she like blacks out and wakes up all bloody in her own bed the next day. And that girl just happens to be missing. So she doesn't know what happens. She takes it upon herself to try to figure it out without incriminating herself too much. Mm-hmm. So she like befriends the, the woman's husband uh, she claims that she was a, a friend of the woman. Um, so creepy. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this movie. Just have you seen it? Throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, there's, 
you don't know who did it um, because she blacked out, obviously. The incrimination is that she did it, uh, which they want you to believe. There's a twist that happens, but you can see it coming about 20, 30 minutes before they reveal it. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, what I kind of heard. So uh, I, it was okay. I'd give it a last resort. Um, the police wasn't as bad as in Gone Girl. Uh, so I wasn't super pissed off watching it. <laughs> what wasn't as bad? The the police work, like mm. the the investigation. I'm trying to remember what that's the got a big bone bone to pick with Gone Girl. Have you seen officers. Have you seen Gone Girl? Yeah, I the the dumbest police I've ever seen. <laughs> like they should have solved that case in the first act. It should have been boom done. Yeah, we know it wasn't you. But well. Amy is amazing. I mean, what she can do. That's why they call her Amazing Amy. Oh. <laughs> I hate that movie. <laughs> but uh, The Girl on the Train uh, was a little more tolerable, but I wouldn't uh, encourage you to go out and watch it unless you really wanted to. Uh, it's not, like, boring or anything. They do talk really, like, soft and calm throughout the whole movie, which is very different. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just okay. Yeah. The girl that dies is really hot, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to mention that. I yeah, it's too bad she had to go. Yeah, I mean, like, really. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in your pants, Jason. <laughs> she did have some nude scenes. Mm. The one that died. This is worth it for that. Maybe I'll watch that again. <laughs> So. What else oh, are you going to talk about, Jason? Well, if I only got one more, I guess I'll mention Your Name. Okay. Just because this is probably the best movie that I've seen lately. Anime film. It is, yeah. I got to call that out for anybody that's, uh, I don't know. You know, some people they like their won't anime. touch anything. Well, there are people that totally hate anime and won't consider watching anything that's in that style. Yep. Is that, <laughs> is that you? Yeah. Yeah? No, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. Well, <laughs> it's a wide... I mean, it's not even a genre, really. It's a medium, right? So, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's the same medium. Sure. It's I all, mean, yeah, it's all if you don't film. like the medium, you know, don't see this movie, but... No, me- medium is movies. Yeah. And well, anime is a genre. In the same way that animated films is a genre, yeah. I guess. Like, is that a genre? Yeah, a genre. Probably because it's animated. All right. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <laughs> the medium is the... Uh, Audiovisual forum that we call... Yes. Film. Film. All right. If, <laughs> if, when they still made it on film, it was film, but now yeah. it's, you know, digital video. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, I'll let you finish. Your name, 2016, Japanese movie... Animated. Is it 2016 or 2017? Uh, well, I looked it up. It said 2016. Okay. You haven't? Have you seen it? No, we showed it at the theater though. Oh right. Um. Okay. Well. So if you hate the anime style because of all I don't know cutesy voices and annoying girls and stuff, you guys are slacking under details. I'm getting there. I mean, more, more so, Jason. I what read you, all the what details. Kind of, oh, you want like the cast and stuff? That's yeah, what director. You mean? We let you slide Storyline. on the Friday the. You're 13th not going to recognize movies, any of these names anyway, but I want to hear you pronounce them. Yeah, 
That's how I fuck up usually most episodes. I can't figure out people's names. I want to hear you pronounce all the Japanese names. Plus, okay. that's where we get the easiest plot summary. Is this from IMDb? So oh, we don't have to explain half the movie. That's a good point. So you can IMDb. just do the little plot summary and then be like, I like this about it and this about it. Honestly, if I knew and I, I was going to be limited to two, I wouldn't have picked the two that I picked. <laughs> yeah. I was saving the good ones so you, for you've only You've only talked about two? Yeah. We'll let you talk about one more after. I was saving the ones that I like for after, the ones that I thought were just okay. Yeah. Okay. You get the final word. I got the cast. Taki Tachibana is played by Ryunosuke Kamiki. We don't need character names. Yeah, just you can just say that. <laughs> okay. We got Moe Kamishiraisha. Or, sorry. Kamishiraishi. We got Ryo Narita. Aoi Yuki, Nobunaga Shimazaki, Kaito Ishikawa, and a bunch of other Japanese people. <laughs> um, let's see. IMDb. Where are where is the plot summary? It's right at the top. Right, right at the, the top. Two strangers find themselves linked in a bizarre way. When a connection forms, will distance be the only thing to keep them apart question well mark. that doesn't there's a question mark that doesn't give a lot of information but uh i think you provide a little extra yep well first i just want to say so this was a huge movie in japan and korea and uh it's i mean it is in the anime style but it's also very good animation like most most anime that people are familiar with you know, it's done fast, like TV shows is probably what most people are have seen. But this, you can tell that they've put a lot into this animation. I mean, every scene is just beautiful. Like, they, it looks super realistic for an anime movie, basically. And, like, the characters are more real than in a lot of anime stuff. Like, it, it feels like a real normal, like, real life movie uh live action movie just animated in the anime style like mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't kind of fall into a lot of those anime tropes that people don't like so i don't know they don't throw energy balls at each other no no energy balls <laughs> but uh <laughs> so man it's it's hard to talk about this movie because if, when i give you the premise it'll sound cliche because it starts out with like the classic body swapping thing, right? Like two people wake up and they're like, oh, I'm Freaky in a Friday. different body. Exactly. But that's really just the starting point and where it goes from there, like is complete, like you don't expect it at all. It gets really, there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of got a little bit of, a little bit for everybody. No matter what you're into, they got a little bit of romance a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of action. Comedy? Got some of course, there's a yeah, bunch of comedy. Um, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. This is like your favorite movie you've seen in like the past maybe a year or so? Year. I don't know. I don't know about year. Last six months for sure. I haven't seen a lot of <laughs> good stuff lately, I guess. But uh, But as for like the last year in theaters i'd say this is up there 
one of the best things I've seen in, that was in theaters recently. I guess it wasn't in the last year anyway, but... Um, so I don't know what else to say about it without kind of big spoilers. You get a rating for it? Yeah. So what's above eventually? Soonish. Or ASAP. Is above, ASAP, ASAP is, is above that. There needs to be like... People need to sign off on the ASAP ratings. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to go for an ASAP. However, I have heard many good things about it as well. It is yeah. very critically heralded. Um, yeah. Oh, what it is. So I'd say. Uh, I. I mean, I haven't seen it, but name it a soonish. No problem with that. Yeah. Maybe I am gonna it? give it a soonish. And I didn't mention the score. The score is pretty great too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, visually, orally, it's it's just. <laughs> That's the Look word. on Brett's face. <laughs> Orally is the word for, you know, in your ears. Oh, A-U-R. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Um, oh, just the whole thing put together. It, it works really well. It's well made. It's a good story, an original story. I think that's one of the biggest things I liked about it is it's original. Like, mm-hmm. And like I said, the body swap thing, when I saw that even, I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a good movie. But then... I mean, that's just such a tiny piece of it. Like, the whole story really is original when these days there's very, very little that's original in movies, in my opinion. So. Not going to lie, what, when, you said, you... when you said it was a great score, I thought, what was it, like 100 to 99? Or <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the music, people. Good score. Um, yeah, good movie all around. Recommend it. All right. Now I'm going to take us back to 1980 with The Fog. Never seen The Fog before. Original The Fog. Directed by John Carpenter. Starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Leigh, Tom Atkins, John Houseman, Charles Cyphers, James Canning, Hal Holbrook. Storyline. An unearthly fog rolls into a small coastal town exactly 100 years after a ship mysteriously sank in its waters. So, this was John Carpenter, uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's follow-up to Halloween, because they both kind of tag-teamed that. Um, So they kind of wrote this, Carpenter directed. Um, This is when they were still together. Yeah, this movie's a lot of fun. A lot of cool practical effects, obviously, because it's 1980. Um, so this town is more or less cursed. It's very apparent that they are cursed early on in the film. Not a spoiler. It is 1980, but I don't know some of these movies. I just like to leave a little, like the Friday the 13th stuff. Most people seen it, and even if you haven't, you kind of know how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. Is that even a, a spoiler different. there? It's the town is cursed. Not really. It's not like I mean, I, you learn about it early on. But I guess the reasoning behind it is something that you find out later. Okay. But yeah, a lot of cool practical effects. Uh, this is kind of a ghost story. It's rated R, and uh, some of the kills were a little more jarring than I thought they'd be. So it's, I mean, it's not gory like uh, or anything like that. It's like Halloween. Because Halloween, there's, there's not a lot of blood either. Um, right. Not a lot. I mean, they don't really show graphically the knife going in or out that much. It's amped up a little more in here. So some of it was a little jarring right away. It was like, oh, shit, we're getting some real some real deal kills here. The effects of the fog were pretty cool. Like when they show in the distance out in the ocean coming towards shore, it's 
you know, pretty dated and kind of fakey. But when it's just like around town and the fog's kind of rolling around the corner and they, they light it in a way to kind of make it glow. And it's, it's pretty cool how they do it. Hmm. It's fun seeing Tom Atkins in here. I mean, the 80s is chock full of awesome Tom Atkins movies. And you know, Jamie Lee Curtis this is right in her heyday, you know, coming off of Halloween in 78 or 79. Fuck, brain fart right now. Anyways, in 1980, there was three Jamie Lee Curtis horror movies. There was this, The Fog, uh, Prom Night, and Terror Train, all in 1980. So she was, she was busy at the height of her Ooh. scream queenness in 1980. Then she took a long break. And then showed everyone her tits <laughs> in Trading Places. Uh, that's right. Well, according to Jamie Kennedy, and I've seen Trading Places, and I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this movie's uh, quite a bit of fun, um, especially if you like that style. Um, score is also pretty cool in here. John Carpenter, it's it's similar to uh, Halloween's theme and score, so that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it was just um, it was a fun watch. A little bit of comedy, some real horror, a couple of scares. It's got everything. So there you go. Brett, close it out for us. So is that a... Oh, yeah, sorry. WTM eventually. All right. Got to check her out. All right. So here's here's the one I saved for last. Going way back to 1957. Ooh. The Invisible Boy. A 10-year-old boy and Robbie the Robot team up to prevent <laughs> oh, a supercomputer no. from controlling the Earth from a satellite. This Robbie movie. the Robot from Gremlins, I said. Yeah, this is his second movie. <laughs> this is his second movie. Starring Richard Eyer, Philip Abbott, Diane Brewster, Harry J., Harold J. Stone, Robert H. Harris, a bunch of people from the 50s. Robbie the Robot as Robbie. Uh, directed by Herman Hoffman. So uh, this movie is about like a top-level uh, government scientist who has developed a supercomputer that only know he knows how to work. Uh, it it can talk to you and answer questions and shit like that, and it takes up a whole room because it's a supercomputer. And he's got a he's got a son who's not doing too well at math. He he's trying to teach him fractions, and the kid doesn't get it. He he can't convert. Uh, one fourth into how many twenty fourths? Mm-hmm. Can't do it. <laughs> so he so he takes them to this super secret government base, uh, down to like sub level five, where the computer is housed under high security. Takes them in on a Saturday when nobody's there. Sits them down in front of the computer and says, "Hey, computer, can you teach my son how to do math?" And the computer hypnotizes him, <laughs> like. He implants, uh, like, knowledge and then, like, subliminal, like, instructions on how to do stuff. And one of them, so he teaches him how to be really good at chess, because he could never beat his dad at chess. And then he, uh, he hustles his dad into letting him hang out with Robbie the Robot, who has just been sitting, uh, in pieces in some guy's office, the at the office there where he works. <laughs> uh, the guy... Supposedly went to the future and came back with Robbie the robot. Nobody believes that he time traveled, but he came back with a robot. <laughs> so Timmy 
puts together the robot. None of these super smart scientists could do it. And then he just hangs out with Robbie for a while. He wants to, to fly a kite, but his kite sucks. So Robbie makes him a new one, which is just like a giant uh, drone that he flies with a remote control. And then uh, there's one scene where Timmy's like riding on, on the drone, on the kite, as they call it. And he's just like doing tricks and he's like, you know, chilling on it, like putting his hand, you know, all that stuff. And then when he comes down, his mom yells at him to come down. And when he comes down, his mom gives him a spanking. <laughs> but anyways, uh, turns out the uh, the supercomputer has been hacked. Although they don't call it hack. You know, hacking back then because it wasn't the thing. And it starts brainwashing all the scientists. Uh, and they think it's the Russians that did it. Of course, <laughs> they don't say they don't say the Russians, but they say our neighbors across the North Pole there. <laughs> uh, so it's you know it's pretty cheesy because it's 1950s uh, sci-fi, but it was a lot of fun. They they refer to all like spaceships as satellites because they don't know they didn't know what a spaceship was because apparently it was right after Sputnik went up. And they just assumed everything that comes from space is a satellite. <laughs> so was, it, was this before the Roswell landing too? It was in fifty-seven. Roswell, Roswell was like forty-seven or forty-nine. Because like every other movie around there has flying saucers. Oh, so is what they call them. Movie. And then this one, you're like, oh, they got a satellite up there. Like, what the? But it's it's a lot of fun. I I thought it was pretty hilarious. Uh, I don't know. Well, if, if the ship is up high enough, then it does become a satellite. It it's only a satellite, satellite if it. Yeah. It's only a satellite if it goes around the planet. Yeah, I was just saying, if it's up high enough, it gets in orbit. Yeah, it would be like Starship Enterprise. They just go to a planet and <laughs> hang out up there. They're just they turn off the engines and just float around, you know. <laughs> but I, I'd give it an eventually because it was a lot of fun. It's uh, don't take it too seriously. It's it's Robbie the robot and a ten year old kid. Oh, and the Invisible Boy party. He, he turns them invisible because the kid can never have any fun when his mom is around he may his mom makes him put robbie in the garage so he he can't get hurt uh playing with him because he's too dangerous so he turns him invisible so he can start having some fun without mom yelling at him <laughs> cool so how long is he invisible like half the movie but you can see him like no no but it was pretty him. sweet they had pretty sweet special effects because he was invisible and like he'd be at the the dinner table and he'd be like pouring his milk or drinking his milk or whatever and like he wasn't there but the thing was going up and down and <laughs> Wait, like, he's they did with stuff his like family that. when he's invisible yeah like his parents know that he's invisible and they're just like oh that's they cool. figure out he's invisible what there's one scene where his mom and his dad are talking in their bedroom and then uh they they kiss and then he like giggles and he <laughs> like gives away that he's in the room listening to them <laughs> yeah and the dad chases them all around the room and they're like knocking stuff over and shit and oh. going over the bed. And then he, he catches them and he starts spanking them. There's a lot While of While he's invisible? Yeah, there's a, there's at least two or three scenes where he gets spanked. So wait, it's, I, he's, he's invisible with his clothes on, right? Well, the clothes... Uh, so the, the serum that Robbie gives him to make him invisible will... Uh, anything that's in contact with him eventually like turns invisible itself. So like... Okay. He takes it and he turns invisible and his clothes are still there, but then they fade away. Okay. So he's got them on. Yeah. We're not talking about like a hollow man situation. 
Or was that the, what was the movie? Kevin I Bacon? I, mm. Hollow Man. It was Hollow Man. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but. Mm. No, he's so naked. he's closed. <laughs> he's closed, but his clothes also turn naked. Okay. By proxy. Sure. They turn naked? <laughs> what? You mean they turn invisible? They... Is that what I said? They yeah. turn naked? <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> no, they turn invisible with him. It's the invisible boy. Cool. Eventually. <laughs> All right. I think it's about to do it. Kind of a longer one. Yeah. We'll probably keep them a little shorter in the future, but hey, we've seen a lot of movies that we haven't really been able to talk about recently because of the damn Oscars taking up so much time. Top yeah. 10 lists, whatnot. But yeah, anything else you guys want to add before I close her up? I got another movie to talk about. <laughs> no, just kidding. Save it for next time. Be more forthcoming with my info to Brett so that he can pick the better movies next time <laughs> if we're... Well, I thought Put it was going to preferential do, order. I thought I was going to do four because I was going to do the two that were more recent, mm-hmm. and then I was going to pick a couple older ones that were more enjoyable. Yeah, but well, but I only got three. Yeah, unlike some people. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Jay Bird. I only had what six. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis__movie. Uh, check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, we'll check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you off my case.